This is A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, a podcast ministry of Somebody Cares America, being a tangible expression of Christ in a hurting world. I'm going to introduce Jim Libertor, who I had the pleasure of meeting two weeks ago. I have some questions for him and some things I think you'll be excited to hear about. Again, Jim is the Libertor is the CEO and president of Outdoor Sportsman Group and Channel. It's the world's largest outdoor media company. Jim, great to have you with us this morning. And you said earlier that you actually were from Cleveland, Ohio, but you, now you live in Colorado. Right, right. I got born and raised in a place called Bay Village outside of Cleveland and have uh, gone all over the, the country, really, uh, primarily building media networks and media companies. And that's what I've been doing for my career. Well, it's amazing. You know, when I first got to talk with you and interview you during the Christian Men's Network gathering in Dallas, it was being telecast and streamed around the world. Just how personable you were and are and uh, and to hear about all the things you're doing and involved in. And yet the passion in your heart is also to produce this movie you call The Harvest. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But uh, I was intrigued when I looked at your information and in, in here, it says that there are more than three times as many outdoor enthusiasts as there are baseball game attendees, includes, including college and professional. And there's almost twice as many outdoor enthusiasts as there are people who attend all the major uh, sports teams and combined, including baseball, basketball, football, hockey, lacrosse, soccer, and volleyball. That's amazing to me. With the imprint that you have, the amount of people that you can actually uh, touch and reach around the world. In fact, you're in like 190 countries or something. So tell us a little bit about how you got involved with the Outdoor Sportsman Group and channel and, and, and what you're doing in making that imprint, being the largest imprint in the world. Yeah, and, and primarily how we describe it is all of our properties are hunt, fish, shoot. That's, uh, that's really what we do. And it's, it's amazing because, like I said, I, I've always been called to come in and build networks. There was a network prior to this one, a regional sports network in Ohio that we launched called Sports Time Ohio. Then uh, before that, I built a network called Speed Channel. It used to be Speed Vision to Speed Channel. It was all racing cars, F1, some NASCAR stuff. And so when I came into the hunt fish shoot space, it was uh, to build a network to put these pieces together that we now have. Um, but what what happened in this space, unlike the other spaces, is I was completely enamored. I never had hunted. I didn't own a gun. I didn't do any of those things. But the Christian connection between hunting and fishing and the outdoors uh, really, really captured my attention. And it's a space where the numbers are declining every year, and it's it's much to the detriment of uh, of our of our country. I, I mean, you know, outdoors is about generational ties. It's about family. It's about the campfire. It's about a 14-year-old kid learning to responsibly handle a firearm, hunt, harvest his own food. It's all of this beauty. Then on top of that, there is game and land management and conservation issues, which are very practical and scientific benefits. But it was a space I just fell in love with. That's awesome. And you know, um, we do a lot of disaster relief efforts for the last, you know, 30 something years, been in ministry almost 40 years here at Somebody Cares America and Somebody Cares International. And uh, one of our friends up in New York, now he's in Virginia, is Jack Lagatella, and he's an, an avid outdoorsman as well. And he came up with an idea that with all the disasters we do, um, that a, a lot of outdoor hunters can actually get the things that they, that they actually get 
and, and give it to us to help us in the feeding that we do. We do hot meals. Mark Roy, who's on the line with us, is our, our somebody here in San Antonio, also does a lot of advanced stuff at a lot of these disasters. It's amazing how many people come out of the woodwork with meat and resources. We just kick up the barbecue pits, and Mark calls them the holy smokers. So they come in from yeah. Indiana, they come in from Minneapolis, from San Antonio, and just set up set up the cookers. And next thing you know, people bring it out there. Food that would spoil anyway, so they're and yeah. restaurants bring it in. So what a, a great way to have partnerships, even with outdoorsmen and hunters, etc. Now, uh, Jim, what tell us a little bit about your journey to the Outdoor Sportsman Group and uh, your your journey with the Lord. Obviously, as we were talking a couple of weeks ago, you have a deep, authentic, genuine faith in the Lord, and uh, with all of these that are watching today, that represent so many organizations and churches in our country actually some watching from Brazil. Um, tell us a little bit about your journey to faith in Christ. Yeah, it's it's interesting, and I apologize. I'm, I'm, I'm always careful to try not to uh, offend people because I don't know everybody's background, but uh, I was raised uh, Catholic. I, I uh, immediately had a, um, a connection with the Lord early on in my life. I felt very comfortable in the church. I remember when I was going to St. Raphael's, um, I would go into the church while everybody else was out in the playground waiting for uh, for uh, school to start. I just was always very comfortable. I remember as a kid in grade school, I kept a journal to God. I just always had this relationship, um, just an amazing blessing. I'm not sure how that happened for me. Um, but as I got older, uh, and this is part of the film, this is a big part of the film, this is the part of the film, um, I, I really was... was was feeling as though my, for me personally, my Catholic faith was was not. There was too many things that I was confused by uh, confession and you know baptism and as a baby and all these different things. And I found myself being you know sort of pulled away from the Catholic Church. Uh, and then finally, a day came. I was walking to church on the phone with my mom, and we were talking about transubstantiation. Uh, the turning of the body and blood into the wine and uh, the body of Christ. And I told her I never really believed that. She said, well, then you shouldn't be going to Catholic Church. The very next week, I went to, I was living in New York City. I went to Redeemer Presbyterian, Tim Keller's church, and not gone back to a Catholic mass uh, since then. But the point is, is I've become increasingly concerned that there are a lot of people, uh, and I fall into this category that that have led this lukewarm faith. And um, I, I think about that right now, the problems of the world, I really put at the feet of Christians because we're living this lukewarm faith. But I think there are a lot of people who think they've got it figured out, think they have that key, that road, that path to eternity and to salvation and possibly don't. Um, and uh, that's what the film is about challenging people to examine their faith. It's for people who would consider themselves Christians. Um, but that really, and it's getting more and more powerfully placed on my heart. It's a little frightening. I'm not sure where it's all going to go, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but I'm at the point today where the church needs to step up. We have to step up in an unapologetic terms, um, because what's happening is almost hard to imagine, you know, as you watch the, our, our country in particular unfold. Right. Now, before we move past, you know, talking about your testimony, what then took you from there to getting, because obviously 
there's a, at least an understanding in the last few years that ministry is not within the four walls of the institutional church alone, but it's incarnational and very real and tangible in the marketplace. And yeah. some call it, you know, as the late Dr. Bill Bright, as well as Lauren Cunningham and even Francis Schaefer talked about the spheres of the culture, the seven mountains, and I know Lance Wall now calls it the seven mountains. Whatever we call it, it's this, there are elements of the culture that we need to impact. And for decades, we have abdicated our influence as the church because we felt like we need to stay within the four walls. But we su support the local church, but we need to be incarnational. And as a friend of mine in uh, Adam Peacock in Northern California during the fires, I was there uh, speaking and helping them after the fires there and meeting with community leaders. And he made a statement that I, I really like. And he says that for so long, the church has tried to get the community into the church, but rather shouldn't the church be going out into the community? And so we see that expanded past just being a community. It could be the marketplace in media, uh, in outdoor sportsman, you know, outdoor channel, other things like that. What got you involved in wanting to do what you're doing now and using that as a, as an op, as a platform by which you can do the movie and other things? Yeah, I, I would think of the first thing that happened is I'm a devotee of, uh, of people like Oswald Chambers and Francis Schaefer, yeah. C.S. Lewis, um, on a like powerful, like Francis Schaefer, we joke around how he kicks you in the butt every morning with, you know, my utmost for uh, your highest. But uh, really, it, it is this shift away from exactly what you said, where, where, you know, just so much of my life was completely uh, self-centered, self-focused, um, you know, what, what, you know, me, my job. And, and even though I had Christian, you know, I was, I was faith, you know, a faith-filled Christian, it just was, was really just exactly what you said is, okay, what can the church, you know, do for me? And I'm going to live a good life and I'm going to be a good person. But um, between Schaefer and Chambers and those people, we went to uh, Haiti um, prior to the earthquake. Uh, and uh, I, I literally went in August and uh, I came home. I'm not making this up. I kissed the ground when I came home. I said, I'm never going back to Haiti again. It was hot and miserable. Um, then the earthquake happened that January uh, and found myself as God's sense of humor, you know, spending six or seven trips a year uh, in Haiti and uh, we actually adopted from Haiti. Um, but the point of that is that you become other focused very, very quickly. But before we adopted, it's an interesting story. My wife and I really talked seriously about whether or not we should adopt this child and bring her to this country. Because in Haiti, where she was, the orphanage she was at, you know, they have church, they have prayer, they, they were very, you know, prayer focused because clinging to Jesus is a great option when you have nothing. Bringing her back here, we were very concerned about all the bells and whistles and the shiny little things. Would she, uh, you know, kind of uh, get, you know, get lost? Were we doing her a disservice by adopting her, especially with an eternal perspective on that? But we did adopt her, but the focus now is raising her as a warrior, you know, preparing her for what is coming. And we see it coming way faster than I think any of us thought. Um, and then that really, uh, it's what we talked about at the men's conference. It's this, this idea that I am detached. Like uh, we talked about it being like a capsule on a moonwalk where you're tethered to the, the, the world, 
but you are absolutely apart and it's you and Jesus, you know, clinging to each other, or you clinging to, to him. And it's, it's viewed very much like an umbilical cord. Either the world is going to be feeding me or Jesus is going to use me to feed the world. And uh, that's something that through this film and through this project is just powerfully placed on my heart that Christians need to really consider their focus um, because it's, it's this lukewarm Christianity that I think is the problem with the world today. Um, I want to kind of segue in a moment because I saw a, a one of the trailers for your movie, the Harvest movie, and I was so moved and it reminded me of, um, of something I wrote about in one of my books about James Boswell, who was uh, from 1740-1795. He was the, the famous Scottish biographer for Samuel Johnson, and he tells the story. I know a lot of people say it was Samuel Johnson's story, but from what I understand, it's actually James Boswell, who was the, the, the famous Scottish biographer for Samuel Johnson, who tells a story, very poignant story about his own life and a personal life experience. And he says, as a boy, uh, he was invited by his dad to go fishing. And after this exciting day, he wrote in his personal diary, I went fishing with my dad. It was the greatest day of my life. But many years later, after his father passed away, James Boswell looked into his dad's diary and found that exact same day. He was so excited. Wow, dad wrote something about that day that I said was the greatest day of my life as a boy. But in his dad's diary, it said, I went fishing with my son. It was a day wasted. Life is full of perspective, isn't it? Perceptions. And perception is not always the truth, but it becomes the reality of those who perceive it. And I think about my own story. My, my biological father was an underwater demolition frogman during the Korean War. Uh, was stationed in Japan where he met my mom and I was born at the Yokosuka Naval Base there and came to, uh, to the States when I was nearly three years old to the amphibious base in Coronado, California, where later during the Vietnam War, my dad became known as what's the Navy SEAL, so official frogman, then Navy SEALs. And I remember he would take me to uh, the amphibious base to do training where they went in the deep tanks where they did the diving and training and he could swim like a fish. I mean, he didn't even have to think about it. I remember one day he had been drinking, and uh, so he took me, and I was so excited to go there with all these Navy SEALs and budsmen and frogmen, and he jumps in the water, and he's saying, come on in, son, the water's fine, and, and I remember standing on the edge of the, this big, deep tank, and I'm thinking, I know I trust him to take care of himself, but he's been drinking. I don't know if I could trust him to take care of me, and I remember that moment, I had this great fear of even getting in the water. And it's all about perception. So throughout my life, it took many years for me to even understand my dad, my stepdad, who was a Vietnam veteran as well, and to understand them. But it, when I was with a group of Vietnam veterans doing humanitarian work in Vietnam in 1990 and a few years throughout the next few years, hearing their stories, it began to give me a different perspective and actually helped me understand my dad and my stepdad and subsequently had the pleasure of leading both my dad and stepdad to the Lord. They're, they both died military-related cancers, but they're in heaven now. But the, just the slight perspective change gave me an understanding that maybe I didn't understand from the lens, the optics of a, of a little boy. And so one of the trailers that you showed reminded me of that is the father and the son were reflecting on uh, that hunting blind there and uh, share a little bit about the movie. What brought you into producing this movie 
Yeah, there, there were three parts of this, um, and I'll start with the, uh, the go from least to greatest. The one part is there's a, a, a really strong business plan behind this because it's a first ever pro hunting film that celebrates and explains hunting. Uh, and I know from a business perspective, if I can get uh, 30% of the hunting group to go, it, it will be somewhere around $100 million box office. And as a first film, I think it can do that. The second part was, as I said, the numbers of hunting are declining. And I view that as a travesty and a very, very bad thing for this country. Uh, if if people are losing that uh, that kid and that self-responsibility, they're losing that game and land management and conservation, there's a problem there. But let's just put it this way. If they're losing the campfire, where your family is around the campfire, you know, the created uh, with the creator out in his creation, that's a huge loss for us. But the big reason is I saw that the Kendricks movies, War Room, Fireproof, Creages, they are the only people making these unapologetically strong Christian films challenging people. So people will go to a Kendricks movie for the message, and then the art and the story is generally secondary to that. Um, this country so desperately wants those movies that the average budget for those movies is about $3 million and the average revenue is about $84 million because the Kendricks don't put Jesus in a supporting cast. They don't say God instead of Jesus. They just put it right out there. And the Kendricks goal is to change lives. The Kendricks goal is, is to preach to the choir and change their lives. This film, The Harvest, is exactly that. It is preaching to the choir. It's saying, look, if you say that you believe in Jesus, you are a devotee, you are a follower of Jesus, does your life reflect that? And if not, why not? Uh, and then there's a, there's a scene in the film where the father, who's a pastor, a strong Christian, the son who has drifted uh, desperately away from God, He's yelling at him, who sits on the throne? Who sits on the throne? And eventually the son admits, I do. Who do I say God is? I am my own God, right? And that's the challenge I want every person to sit and really think about. Not who does your husband or wife want you to say God is. Not who does your pastor, not who do you pretend. Not even who do you say God is. Who do you really believe God is? And I'm hoping that this film is going to be part of some revival that I think is so, it's just so needed in this country. Um, so there are multiple goals. Uh, there's kind of what I call two Trojan horses in this, where I think hunters are going to go thinking they're going to see a great hunting film, and they're going to be challenged powerfully about their faith. And I think Christians are going to go, uh, and they are going to be challenged powerfully about their faith. And um it's it's amazing that the Kendricks, this is all a satanic, you know, spiritual warfare. Uh, I'm going to do another movie, the making of this movie, because it's the stories are unbelievable. But nobody but the Kendricks are doing these, you know, and Hollywood is known for its uh, imitation. Well, here are these movies that are doing great and nobody's making them, you know, because Jesus is in the lead. You know, I can only imagine Jesus had a nice supporting role. You know, there's films like, uh, you know, Miracles from Heaven. Jesus kind of has a supporting role. They generally say God, if you notice in those movies and not Jesus. But the Kendricks just come right at you. And that's what this film's going to do. 
Yeah, I, I love the Kendrick brothers and had the pleasure of working with them when we did some of the response prayer gatherings across the country in 2011, 2015. And, uh, and truly, you're right. They're committed unapologetically. I love the way you even talk about your movie. It's unapologetically Christian. You know, 27 years ago, um, uh, which would be in June of 1993, Time Magazine uh, wrote this words. It says, fatherhood in America is being crushed in the collision between private needs and public pressures. The message dads get is that they are not up to the job and a record number don't stick around even as fathers are needed more than ever. Now, this was 27 years ago and how much more we need fathers engaged today than ever before because we're seeing an, a, a, you know, the, re, the compensatory facade that we see going on, even the, the external expression of anarchy and lawlessness is because of the lack of the understanding of one, the heavenly father, but secondly, the engagement of earthly fathers and parents in people's lives. And we see the result of that in our culture today. So I think movies that should, like this, like The Harvest, really bring back the message, not just about uh, getting around the campfire. That was powerful because I remember as a little boy, my very first hunting experience with my, my, my dad, he had a, a single shot 22 rifle and we go out hunting. And I mean, he was an, he was an avid outdoors, obviously as a Navy SEAL. So we'd go out and do things. He'd show me little tricks of how to catch rabbits and stuff without even a weapon, just neat little coils. And I mean, it was amazing. And the experience is life changing. And in those moments, you'll never forget. And so movies like what the Kendrick brothers are putting out, and of course, what you're putting out, Jim, I think are, are so needed today. And the underlying more important message is not even about the content so much as it is the theme beneath the content of the importance of the foundation of a relationship with fathers and sons and, and, and daughters. Yeah, yeah. And that's uh, it, it. And I'm glad you added daughters in the end of that, because uh, women are the fastest growing segment in hunting. Um, and again, I mean, you, you know, you think about having a 14 year old kid who can responsibly handle a firearm, go out, hunt, harvest and eat their own food, that there's a confidence there. You know, a kid who's spending time with his family around a campfire is not going to be building, you know, burning buildings down in Seattle. You know, and this is where I just so strongly believe this all falls to us. You know, because this lukewarm Christianity and man, I, I don't even want to think about how much of my life was spent in lukewarm Christianity. And that includes this week, you know, and I'm not being overly humble. I'm being honest. But if you think about that, that uh, revelation verse where it says, you know, you're neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth because you're lukewarm. But what Christians need to really pay attention to is Jesus says there how I wish you were one or the other. Right. So Jesus is actually saying there, I prefer you cold to lukewarm. I mean, think, think about that. And I, I remember in college and everything, I'd be reading my Bible. I'd be going to church, you know, and to all my roommates, I was a Christian. Yet on the weekends, I was anything but a Christian. And so the message I was telling these people is this is what a Christian does. Right. Parties and does all this other stuff. It, it honestly, it, it's 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 so important that we step up and we set everything else aside, and just have to be just focused on whatever our sphere of influence is, whatever world we live in. If it's a Bible study with your neighbors, if it's reaching whatever it is, we need to reach out to this world aggressively and unashamed, you know. And um, that even with this film, 
The film is not about selling tickets. The film is about every single day. How today did I glorify God? We prayed that the process would be what glorifies God. He'll decide if it's going to be successful or not. I don't even really care. I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. But man, Christians have to have to step up. You know, um, I was reading that two Chronicles uh, seven uh, verse fourteen. That used to be the Haiti verse. Um, you know, for those who call my name, you know, if they will humble themselves and pray and seek me and turn from their wicked ways, um, I will hear them from heaven, forgive them and heal their land, right? So this is a great one, people, for U.S., but what's the very first part of that? For those who call me by name, you know, it's on us. You know, you think that, man, uh, these liberals need to change, or these people need to change, or these people, you know, Christians are very good about pointing at all the evil in the world, but I just believe it falls on us, because we have not given a good enough example of what being a Christian means. In the film, it says, if you want people to meet Jesus, then live a life that shows he's worth meeting, right? You know, and we're just not doing that, you know, and um, I, I think that's the problem, in my humble opinion, of course. Well, Jim, I, I just have to say that we need to pray for you to say what you really mean. And <laughs> no, I, I'm, it's refreshing to me that you can be a very successful uh, businessman in the marketplace, do your job with excellence, obviously that's proven, but at the same time have an authentic relationship and passion for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that doesn't mean, you know, I help everyone of any kind of, I work in countries all over the world. And so people always ask me, well, do you have to be a Christian for you to help them? No, I help everyone in the name of Christ, but I'm unashamedly doing it in the name of Christ because what's changed my heart is what Christ has done in me, so that it gives me a love for helping even those who may oppose me, don't agree with me, in fact, even uh, vehemently uh, oppose me and may not even like me. But I'm going to help whoever God says to help because that's what Christ would have us to do in the name of Christ. And, and I'm also unashamedly realizing that we live in a world where we have a lot of forms of religion and forms of godliness, but the scripture says in Acts, in the book of Acts, there's no salvation, healing, liberation, deliverance, or freedom without the name of Jesus. The world will say, right. you can say God. You can say whatever you want, but don't say that name. There's right. something, like the old song says, there's something about that name. You know, yeah. that song, Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. And, and you know, I'm coming back to the re full circle, back to realizing, as Keith Green used to say, get bananas for Jesus. I just want to get back to being bananas for Jesus and realizing it's because of that relationship that I have this passion and love for even those who may not who I may not agree with. In, in an old article I wrote, I put fathers often fail to see the importance of their fatherhood role. The bond that a father cultivates with his children, that's sons and daughters, is a strong bond of unity that can never be severed if it consists of love, trust, and commitment. Such bonding is absolutely essential if our society is to be healthy and survive. Now, I first wrote this back in 1995 in one of my books, but I see that we've seen such a digression that, we, that we're losing so many of those things that are of significant importance to us and the fundamental things that, that we used to value, we're losing if we don't steward them now. And so movies like what you have coming out and even what you do at the Outdoor Sportsman Group and the Outdoor Channel and all the things you're involved in, 
is about bonding. It's about family, being around the fire. It's about camping. It's about fishing. It's about hunting. It's about conversation outside the, the noise pollution and all the distractions around us, even with television and social media. Uh, and so take us now to how people can get involved or share whatever you want, but then take us how we can get involved in, uh, in looking at some of your trailers and other information about the movie and how people can actually be praying with and partnering with you. Yeah, and, and let me just touch on one thing, because what, what's really happened here in the last eight years is, is, is the masks are coming off, right? Like Satan is no longer, I think, hiding anymore, right? Um, you have efforts to defund the police. I mean, it's like, really? You have major corporations supporting organizations that want to destroy the nuclear family. Um, I saw that uh, our, our potential uh, vice president-elect uh, is calling all these Christian groups hate hate groups, right? Um, so so in, in my mind, I, I don't want to sound pessimistic because I'm really optimistic at the end, uh, but, but we need to take our masks off now too. You know, that's the lukewarm Christian needs to rip off that mask because it's, it's warfare, it's on, you know, and the spiritual warfare that we talk about and hear about, it is so clear to me um, what's happening. And as parents, in my opinion, the idea of raising your kid, understanding without freaking them out, you know, we have an 11 year old daughter that I talked about. We, we are telling her, look, in your lifetime, the things we talk about in this living room, you may, may be illegal. You know, you may not be able to do that, but when you take a kid outside, when you're with a kid, when you're camping, when you're doing these things, you, you have no ability except to feel the creation of God. You hear it in the wind, you see it in the stream, you know, you smell it, it's all around you. And that's just a time where you have your kids undivided attention. And that's why I think outdoors are so critically important to what we're doing. Um, and, and the film itself, um, we, we did... Uh, just we have a, an investor who's coming in, which is really good news. What I'm trying to do is raise money through crowdsourcing so that we have a ton of hunters involved in this film and a ton of Christians involved in this film. Because the idea that Christians and hunters are making this movie is important statement for the for the country to hear. And the Kendricks cannot be the only ones doing these things. You know, we have. $550 million of Christian books are sold every year. There's 300 million downloads of version. Christian radio is largely supported by individual listeners, right? And then in the movies, nothing. Hollywood and Satan have kept out of the movies almost every powerful, unapologetic Christian story until the Kendricks. And I'll just tell one really quick story. I've been forced and, and actually am working with some good Hollywood people, but I've been, I've talked to a bunch of Hollywood people because I thought I could bring them in. I had one guy who I talked with who was a writer and he said, okay, what about an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement? I said, I'm not asking for non-disclosure agreements because nobody else is going to do a Christian hunting film. He said, no, I don't want one from you. I want a non-disclosure agreement from you saying you will never tell anybody I was associated with this film. Wow. And I was, that's what I said. I was like, wow. And uh, all Hollywood has tried to do is change the script, you know, and um, I've, I've, again, because it's easy, because it's God's message, not mine, I'm, I'm not changing it. But if you go to uh, theharvestmovie.com, the one thing with pastors is I know pastors are constantly 
asked to help promote Christian movies. And it's got to be super annoying. I mean, it really does. However, if you read the story, there's a Bible study embedded in it uh, called Who Do You Say That I Am? It's a seven-week kind of intense study challenging Christians to really evaluate their faith and then journal um, forevermore. Uh, for men, uh, journaling isn't like waking up every morning, dear diary, you know, last night was, you know, no, it's, but what it does is it just is maybe three times a year, four times a year, five times a year, whatever it is when you feel that, you know, God is leading you so that, and, and I don't want to say men, but men and women can leave this, this, this journal of their faith to generations, because that's what's going to be needed. But if you go to the harvestmovie.com, you can go to the YouTube page with Doug has uh, attached. Uh, you can see what we're trying to do. But when the time comes, you know, for churches to help us and get involved would be great. Um, but I get it. I get there's a lot of that ask out there. Um, but it's just to just keep this thing going. Uh, but the biggest thing is praying. Um, we're out now looking for a director. We have an investor who's given us an LOI for $3 million, which now allows us to go get directors and a cast. Uh, while I'm not overly worried about it, this is when the pressure really starts. Well, you got to have this director. You got to have this name. If you put the wrong people in these films, Christians will not go. You know, it's uh, we are a judgmental group, um, but, you know, it has to be the right people and uh, just really put this uh, this thing together exactly uh, the way God has intended and that it is an agent of revival. I mean, that it is going to challenge us to get off our butts and to really get out there and do what we got to do um, because it's slipping. And look, if Trump wins, if Biden wins, in my mind, we're already on the backslope of this thing. I mean, ever since that apple got bit, we all know how this ends. The difference is for the first time in my life, you can visualize it very, very clearly. You know, the persecution of Christians. Seven years ago, I would have said, yeah, I don't I don't really I don't think I see exactly how that's going to happen. Now I see exactly how it's going to happen because it's happening. But it's time for us to step up. And one day, you know, I really try to keep this eternal perspective. And Francis Schaefer calls it a moment by moment awareness. One day we're going to be standing face to face with our creator. And we're going to be accountable, you know, for, for everything we're not doing and everything we're doing. And, um, man, we just need to stand together. We need to get just to get this word out there. And uh, well, Jim, just, you made a good point that I want us to kind of segue into as well as we get ready to close up some questions for people. But uh, I had written an article because such divisiveness, even in the church, and you had mentioned one Second Chronicles 7, 14, it's not about everybody out there, it's about us, and how there's been such divisiveness and the importance of us even crossing our racial, denominational, generational lines, even if we disagree on certain uh, political views. But that being said, uh, I wrote down in an article prior to the elections, I said, look, I called the government of the lamb and the lion because I'm not beholden to the donkey party or the elephant party, right. but I choose to express and stand for my biblical conviction as a follower of the government of the lamb and the lion. So it doesn't matter actually who, well, it does matter, but at the point, at this point, whoever is becomes is president or whoever is in the white house is not the only thing going. It's about the church and getting right posture with knee posture, vertical worship, hearing from God, 
working together is becoming part of something bigger than ourselves if we're going to see a change. And I still think there's a redemptive thread in America. And that redemptive thread is the generosity of the fundamentals of the Christian faith and our and, and, the, and the church that has been generous for, for many, many years to nations around the world, just like you going and adopting in Haiti, Jim, or others that we know. We are a generous people, and that's the redemptive thread that we have. And I think it's important for us to realize that we've got it to not withdraw, as it says in Hebrews 12, as the perdition, but we need to press forward. As Leonard Ravenhill, one of my spiritual grandfathers, used to say, wrote me a note and said, my dearest brother Doug, let others live on the raw edge of the cutting edge. You and I should live on the edge of eternity. And Alan Redpath and, um, and Leonard Ravenhill used to be on the, the Chapel of the Air radio show, and they used to say, the church needs to be careful becoming three miles wide and only an inch deep. What we need is to make sure that we are digging deep, we're representing on a foundations unshakable, the unshakable kingdom, and we need to influence every sphere of the culture, not abdicate our influence at every level of the culture. And that's why it so blesses me with what you're doing, Jim, and with this movie and your, the expression of your faith, even in being successful in the marketplace. Years ago, um, it was social scientist James Q. Wilson who said, the powers exercised by the institutions of social control have been constrained and people, especially young people, have embraced an ethos that values self-expression over self-control. Jim, early on, you talked about self-righteousness, self-centeredness, self-adulation, that kind of thing. A.W. Tozer used to say that self is the opaque veil that hides the face of God from us. Mm. We need the presence of God again, and we need to engage the culture and not abdicate our influence in the culture. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting because I just finished Ravenhill's, you know, Why Revival Terries, and um my thing, too, in the political age that we're in, if you think about Jesus, he was completely apolitical, right? He, you know, people were being unjustly crucified. You know, there was oppression and horrible taxes. You know, all this stuff was going on. And what did Jesus say about it? Nothing. You know, he was like, but what about you? What about you? You know, and that really should be our attitudes is, is you know, we're in the world, obviously, but, but, but. When this stuff, look, the, the, the fruit of the spirit self-control is what I'm working on because there are so many things I want to do and say when I look at my computer, right? And um, I, I've been, so far, I've been, I've been pretty successful. I'm not going to say 100% successful, but whatever I start, I normally don't get political, then it, it never goes anywhere good. But anyway, the point is, is that we need to be, in, in a sense, there's only one politics, and that's the politics of Jesus Christ. That's all we should be worrying about. And if Jesus were here, he wouldn't be getting into the voter fraud, and he wouldn't be getting into, you know, you got a problem with issues of life, what are you doing about it? You've got issues on immigration, what are you doing about it? You know, it's it, it's really an individual call where revival begins in the heart of one person, and the only part person we can control is ourselves. And so that's I think really a, 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 a Jesus view of, of what we're to be doing, but man, we got to be on fire. We cannot be lukewarm or cold because um, this generation is. Yep. And, just, I, and I think we all agree that we need to be engaged and right. convictions that we don't want to abdicate that influence. But at the end of the day, we're part of something bigger than that. And we have a mandate and this is a harvest season. I, I just, finishing up um, uh, an update and rewrite of a book I published 20 years ago. It's being republished and with new updates called Mending the Net. It's coming out in February. 
And uh, really, we, we need to see the net spread out. That means we are totally uh, uh, vulnerable to the Lord himself, laid out before him. We need to wash the net. We need a cleansing of our own individual hearts and the corporate church. Then we need to see the net mended where there has been broken parts of the net. We need to be mended together so that Jesus can cast us into the harvest and bring in a mightier harvest. Uh, you know, with one fishing pole, we catch a fish. But as a mended net, we can bring in a whole lot more multiplication than one fish at a time. And I think we're in a place where we, the church, need that. So it's time to mend the net so the net can be spread around the world and we can begin to see a harvest coming in in every element of the culture. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, Hebrews 4.12. We see that happening in every element now. God is exposing what's in darkness in the church and outside the church. God is still on the throne. Jesus is still Lord. And uh, we need to get aligned with him because it says in the book of James that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights where there's no shadow of turning. When Paul was speaking of that, he was speaking of their time. The way they told time was a sundial. So at high noon, there's no shadow on the sundial. So under high noon, aligned with God, with him in, in the center of our focus in our lives as the SON, the brightness of the SON, then there's no shadows, there's no darkness, there's no, uh, there's, everything's exposed under his light. And that's what we need today in us individually and corporately if we're going to see the soul of our nation or generation impacted with the gospel. So I'm so blessed by Jim, you're doing this movie, blessed by your life, your life example, your leadership. Thank you for being on with us today. So I know a lot of you are going through pressure right now, going through challenges, but I want to just remind us out of Psalms 112, verse 1 through 9, it reminds us, even in darkness or difficult times, light dawns for the upright. Those who are gracious, compassionate, righteous, generous, lends freely, scatters gifts to the poor, and works just, walks justly, they will never be shaken, will be remembered forever, have no fear of bad news, and their heart is steadfast in trusting God. Their heart is secure, in other words, no fear, will triumph, and his horn will be lifted high in honor. I know that many are perplexed, even the nations uh, are perplexed, hearts of men are failing them out of fear, but we have an antidote to fear, and that is we have faith in Christ, and uh, we are not a people who walk in anxiety and fear, but a people of faith in Christ. Men and women of Christ, we have so much opportunity now in the midst of all that's going on to see revival like we had never seen before. Continue to pray for Jim Libertor and his movie, the movie, the, the harvest uh, movie.com. And, uh, and also pray for us as we continue to do quite a bit stretched thin with all of our ministries. I know many of you are stretched around the world. So I'm praying for each of you and pray that if there's anything we can do for you, please let us know how we can pray and have our intercessors pray for you as well. Thank you everyone for being on this call. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jim, for taking the time to be with us. And uh, we're gonna be praying for the movie. We know it's a timely message. Yeah, and thank you all. I'm just, I just, the best part is things like this. And I will say as hard or expensive or anything about living our design, it's a stinking blast when you do it. I mean, we are having fun and and that's how God set this up. Not to be easy, but to be filled with joy and fun. So thank you so much for this because this is all part of it for us, why we enjoy it so much. Amen. All right, well, Jim, why don't you just pray for everyone uh, as 
a successful business leader and a person passionate for Jesus, pray for us to be uncompromisingly and unapologetic in our faith in Christ. All right. Well, Lord, uh, we are we are in your number. You know, right now you are uh, calling us out. You're searching across the land. Your eyes are moving to and fro to see who is going to be my man or my woman, Lord. And we pray that it is going to be us. We need your supernatural strength and power that you promise us. You know, your promises are true and they're real and they're ubiquitous. They're throughout the Bible telling us what it is you can and will do through us when we open our hearts and our minds to you, Lord. And we pray that the harvest is going to be plentiful, that this country is not done being what we were. We are not finished living as a nation devoted to you first and foremost, but we know it's going to be hard work and it's going to be us that we're called right now. We're called as you are hearing this, we are called to do your work. We are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that you prepared in advance for us to do, to do, and that call is for right now. Thank you so much for the people who are on this call, for the pastors, for all the work that's being done in your name. It's awesome, it's powerful, and it is all going to come back a thousandfold. We just pray and thank you for your blessing, your peace, and at Thanksgiving of all times, no matter, look, 2020 was a great year if you're an American. You know, no matter what else, we're free, and we just thank you for that, and we know that a lot is expected of us. So we pray for all these things. We pray for your presence and your guidance in our lives. Uh, amen. In your precious name, amen. 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 We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805 422 7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.